Well, welcome back to The Corey Lee Show, where my goal is to inspire you, to motivate you, and to equip you to make an impact in your part of the world. And y'all, I'm excited about today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you a topic that's it's really been on my heart for the last several weeks, but it's a topic that I feel like is much needed in culture and society today. Uh, before we jump into the content, some of you may or may not know, but I recently released my second book. It's entitled Leading with Insight, 31 Days of Wisdom for Leaders. And what I do in that book is I take a proverb each day, and then I partner that with a leadership principle. And I wrote it kind of in the style of more like a devotional where you read it each day, and then ask some reflective questions at the end of each chapter. And so you can kind of think on that throughout the day. And before we jumped in, I wanted to read to you guys an entire chapter. This is called Take Up the Responsibility, Day 27. And this is Proverbs 27, 8. And it goes like this. Like a bird that wanders from the nest, so is a man who wanders from his home. See, that bird that wanders from the nest she made for her family, may fear certain threats or search for something more exciting. The man that wanders from his home may wander for the same reasons. Maybe it's the fear or the pursuit of a perceived excitement, yet both result in the abandonment of responsibility, the abandonment of responsibility. The word for home has a few possible meanings, but all are applicable. It's a place to live, a city, a specific location, or even a region. And it can also refer to a standing place, an office, or post as in a role or title. See, the man or woman who wanders has taken their eye off the true goal and has laid down their God-given responsibility, choosing to either flee in fear or Pursue another shiny object, SOS is what I like to call it, the shiny object syndrome. To wander due to fear, y'all, it is inexcusable. Fear is simply faith in the wrong God. Do we often get the emotion of fear? Of course we do. But if we give in to that fear, we demonstrate that our confidence is placed in someone or something outside of God. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee. They run. They run away, even when no one is chasing them. They run in fear of something they created in their own imaginations, right? Yet the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous stand on a firm foundation, their hearts being settled into the loving hands of the Father so they can stand boldly. You know, I find it interesting that in this particular proverb, the word for man is not the word Adam, which generally refers to mankind. But it's a word that refers to a husband or someone who is supposed to be in covenant. For the wanderer, although a covenant has been established, the commitment to it, it hasn't really sunk into the hard level. And I believe God has a people, a place, and a purpose for each one of our lives. That's really what Acts 17, 26 refers to. It says that God created each person and before he decided when they would live and the boundaries in which they would live in. That means, see, you could have been created at any point in history. You could have been created a thousand years ago. You could have been created a thousand years from now. Yet here you are. You were made for such a time as this. 
You were made for such a generation as this. And I believe you were made to be a leader of leaders for such a time as this. The fact that he determined the boundaries in which you live means that you are in the exact location that he desires you to be in. To deny those truths is to lay down your responsibility for your city and for your generation. My wife and I, we grew up in a town in North Mississippi, but when we got married, we actually moved away for her college. And when she was nearing graduation and pregnant with our first child, we began to seek the Lord for where we would maybe settle down, locate our family. And we were looking at a lot of large metropolitan cities with plenty of activities. We had become city-fied. And so we were looking at Austin, Texas. We were looking at Phoenix, Arizona, and Nashville, Tennessee. But as we were seeking and praying, I heard the Lord clearly say Tupelo, Mississippi. And I said, no, no, anywhere but Tupelo. Nobody cares about health and fitness. Nobody cares about growth and development. By the way, both of those are false. And he said, there will be no change unless somebody makes a change. And why not you? Wow. I was blown away by what he said. And, and ultimately, we said yes to his call to move back. And within five years, we built two physical therapy clinics, four gyms, had three kids. And God had absolutely blessed us, but something deep within me called for something greater. And you know, I can remember walking around our neighborhood and I was praying and I asked the Lord one question. Why are we here? Like we've been here for 11 years now, but why? When he, he spoke to me, he spoke to me in such a beautiful way. He said, why is the wrong question. The question isn't why are we here? But it's what can we do here? And you can't make a difference if you have indifference in your heart. Wow. Come on. Y'all. I was totally blown away. He, he completely revealed to me how my heart was still longing to move away and do something somewhere else, anywhere else. When the responsibility he had called us to in that season was to the city where we lived in. He showed me that what we what can we do here is a creative and innovative question that takes on responsibility. While why is a defensive question and it's much more passive. And there was an indifference deep within my heart that needed to be dealt with. And I simply could not impact the lives of other people and advance his kingdom if I did not capture his heart for the city and the people in which we lived in. And so as I wrap this specific chapter up here in the book, I, I hope it's encouraged you, but I want you to know too that you were not a mistake. That maybe you've made some mistakes, but you ain't no mistake. Maybe, maybe you've made some accidents, but you ain't no accident. God has a specific purpose and plan, yes, for your life. And he cares deeply and greatly for you. And he desires for you to experience his love and then be a river, not a reservoir of his love in your city, and to the people in your circle of influence. So a couple of questions for you to consider is, I want you to look around, and what are some of the challenges that you see within your city? Y'all take zero talent to call out the dirt in the lives of other people, but it also calls for zero talent to call out the dirt in culture and society. Anybody can call out the problems. 
Anybody can call out the problems. We want to be men and women who offer solutions. We want to be solutionaries. We have the mind of Christ. We should be offering kingdom solutions, heavenly solutions to the earthly problems. Like, we should be the ones coming up with solutions. What if God is just allowing you to see the problems? Maybe he's just allowing you and I to see the problems so we can offer solutions. Maybe he wants to offer a solution through us. And so what are some of the challenges? And now here's the next part. Ask Holy Spirit for some solutions to those challenges. And I just want to encourage you. And uh, hey, that was just one chapter in my book, Leading with Insight. If you'd love to get a copy of that, I'm going to have a link in the show notes below. would love to get you a copy. Again, that's the second book, Leading with Insight. My first book is called Heart of the Father, where in that book, we talk about what are the heart postures that we have as it relates to culture and society, that uh, we may live in a chaotic world. But what is our heart posture and how do we not only receive God's love, but represent it? in that chaotic world. So, hey, let's jump into some content today. Today, we're talking about gratitude. That's right, gratitude. I look this up, gratitude, it's a noun, and it describes the state of being thankful. I'll read you guys a couple of quotes. It says, gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion into clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Zig Ziglar said, gratitude is the healthiest of all human emotions. The more you express gratitude for what you have, the more likely you will have enough, even more to express gratitude for. I like that. You know, sometimes we can think that thankful and thanksgiving and gratitude are the same, but here's my opinion on the difference. Thankful is an emotion, and we all know that emotions come and go. Gratitude, on the other hand, is an attitude of appreciation under any circumstances, that my circumstances do not cause me to move away from at least a grateful position. And I think it begins with being thankful. It begins with being thankful for the things that I do have and what I've been given. But gratitude is thanksgiving in advance. That my heart posture is so set on, I know good things are going to happen. Thanksgiving is I'm thankful for what I've been given and for what I've done and what I have. Gratitude is thanksgiving in advance. I'm thankful for the things yet to come. Yeah, I got a friend and he kills me, okay? He kills me with a phrase I've heard him say multiple times. And when, so, you know, he'll say something like, when things are going good, he'll say, well, you know what that means? If things are going good, something bad, hey, it's just around the corner. I'm like, no, no, we go from glory to glory, right? <laughs> Look, y'all, yes, bad things happen. Junk happens and things don't go according to plan. But I believe that things are actually working together and they are working together for my good, not against me. Gratitude. And honestly, I think sometimes we just need a slight shift in our perspective. Maybe you have heard the vignette about the little boy. He's outside practicing baseball and his 
mom was in the kitchen, just kind of looking out the window, watching him. The little boy, he would, she could hear him as he was practicing too. The little boy would take a bat and a ball and he would announce, welcome to the plate, the greatest hitter of all time. And so he'd take the ball and he'd throw it up, swing and miss. And he would say, that's strike one, but strike one is nothing to the greatest hitter of all time. He'd take the ball and he'd throw it up again, swing and miss, strike two. That's nothing for the greatest hitter of all time. We still have one strike left. Threw the ball up, swung and missed and paused for a moment, puts his bat down and gets excited, running around, cheering. And the mom walks out and yells out at the boy and asks him, because she was a little confused, and said, I thought you were the greatest hitter of all time. What are you celebrating for? And the little boy said, well, I just realized I'm the greatest pitcher of all time. I struck out the greatest hitter of all time. You know, sometimes we just need a change in perspective. I believe that gratitude is the antidote to pride. I believe gratitude is the antidote to depression. Gratitude is the antidote to anxiety and anger. Many of us, we walk around with this chip on our shoulder and act like the world owes us something. And then when we don't receive what we feel like we're owed, now that chip on our shoulder, it turns into a fence. Now we're walking around offended. I recently read a book a little while back by John Bevere, and it's called The Bait of Satan. And I want you to think about what a bait is. Like if you were out fishing, you would take a bait, piece of bait, you would put it on your lure and you would cast it out into the water. And that bait, that lure, you are trying to lure in that fish to catch that fish. It's a bait. A bait is to draw you in. In the book, he said, the bait of Satan is a fence. Wow. How about that? The bait of Satan is a fence. Think about this. Think about being offended. You know, when somebody offends you, like if my friend does something that offends me, and the more attention I give to that offense, the bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger it gets. Right? The, the more attention I give to that offense, that offense, the thing I was offended about, how much bigger my case builds against my friend. It just draws me in. The bait of Satan is offense. Did you know that there's an attitude that, that attracts success? I also believe there's an attitude that attracts failure. I love what Zig Ziglar says. He said, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that will determine your altitude. Come on, there is an attitude that attracts success. Gratitude actually attracts those good things you really would like to have into your life. I'll share one other quote. It's a little bit wordy, so I'm gonna, I'll say it multiple times, but the word, the quote says, the world holds up a merciless mirror reflecting back our character in our experiences. How about that? The world holds up a merciless mirror reflecting back our character in our experiences. Here's what that means. It means that if everybody I come in contact with or the majority of people I come in contact with seem to be mean and rude and manipulative, then I probably need to 
take a look in the mirror and see what I am reflecting out into the world. If the majority of the people I come in contact with smile and are kind and nice, maybe have positive attitudes, then there is something that I'm reflecting out into the world. And maybe you've heard the story about these two gentlemen. They were moving to a new town and the first guy, he moves to this new town and he notices this gentleman uh, sitting on the corner of the uh, corner of the street. He's an older guy. And as he is searching the town, he goes up to this older gentleman and says, excuse me, sir. Hey, I'm new to town. Can you tell me a little bit about this town? And the old guy looks up at him and says, well, tell me about your previous town. And the guy said, well, you know, I, I tell you what, I could not wait to get out of that place. That place was so horrible. The people there, the people there were so rude. They were so mean. Like they always tried to take advantage of you. Nobody was nice. I could not wait to get up out that place. And the old man just kind of looked up at him and said, well, I'm afraid that you will find that this town is very much like your old town. And the guy was dejected and walked away and said, that's, that's what I was afraid of. The other guy, he comes in, he's new to town as well. He sees the old gentleman and he goes up to him and he asks the same question, says, hey, I'm here, I'm new to town and I'm trying to learn a little bit about it. Can you tell me something about this town? The old guy looks at the gentleman and says, well, tell me about your previous town. And the guy said, you know, we loved it. Some of the nicest, kindest people. We had tons of friends there. Really did not want to move, but the opportunity came up and we just had to take the opportunity. But we loved the people and hated to leave the people we knew. The old gentleman smiled and looked up and said, I think you'll be pleased to find that this town is very much like your old town. And the guy walked away excited. The world holds up a merciless mirror reflecting back our character in our experiences. So how do we begin to have this heart posture of gratitude? Well, I think it begins with giving thanks. It begins by giving thanks for what we do have so we can move into giving thanks for what we've yet to receive. But we cannot get there if we aren't thankful for what we've all be, already been given and what we already have. So I want to begin to be thankful for the small things in life. The fact that we all have a place to live and rest at each night is something to be grateful for. I mean, it's a place that we can control the exact temperature and the climate that we want so we can sleep well. Think about that. That's something to be thankful for. <laughs> I am thankful that I have a spouse and kids that I get the opportunity to do life with, that I have friends that I get to experience life with. I'm thankful that I have a car and I don't have to, you know, do like those stories that your mama and papa used to tell you about, about walking up the hill both ways to work, 50 something miles. And it seemed to always be snowing every day in their stories, right? Like there are some incredible things in your life and my life that we have simply just taken for granted instead of being grateful for. So I think the first step is being thankful for the small things. How we handle the small things reveals how and if we are prepared to handle the big things. Because how we do anything is how we do everything. And, you know, I know that some of you guys are listening and may find you in one of those seasons of life where 
and junk just happens. And it's difficult to find even the smallest thing. And in those seasons, we have zero desire to even hear someone talking about this. And, and, and I don't want to make light of anyone's situation, but it's kind of like this. If I want to give you a challenge, like wherever you're at right now, I want to challenge you to do this, unless you're driving, don't necessarily do this. <laughs> I want you to look around wherever you're at. And for the next 30 seconds, I want you to look around and I want you to count how many things that you see are any shade of red. So just count everything that you see that's the color red. Look in front of you, look beside you. How many can you find? How many items, objects can you find that are the color red? Look up, look down, look all around. How many can you find for 30 seconds? How many things that are red? Now I want you to close your eyes and call out how many things you saw that were the color black. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do, right? Because you're so focused on red. When we focus on red, we typically miss the things that are black or different colors. Where our focus goes, our energy flows. If you want to find things to complain about, you sure enough can find some things to complain about. But if you want to find some things to be grateful for, I guarantee you, you will find some things to be grateful for. Where your focus goes, your energy will flow. So uh, this is a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife, her birthday is in November. And so one November, I thought what I would do, and obviously Thanksgiving is in November as well. So what I thought I would do would be to every day write down something I was thankful for her for, uh, for that month and give it to her on her birthday. So each day I would just, you know, find something small. It, it didn't have to be big. It could be small. Uh, sometimes it was big, but just one thing every day that I... I wanted to, um, that that I was grateful for her. Here's the reality. There were some days I didn't want to write anything down, <laughs> right? There were some days that I did not want to write anything down, but I almost like forced myself to, and you know what happened? It was my attitude that changed. My entire outlook changed when I forced myself to find something to be grateful for. And I promise you, you can find it. It's interesting that it's those closest to us that we typically take the most granted for. And so as I did this for a whole month, it actually, I really enjoyed it. So uh, I did not give it to her on Thanksgiving or her birthday of that month. I actually kept it for an entire year. I missed a few days here and there, but I did it for a whole year and gave it to her for Christmas. And it's just as I wrote that, something in me started to shift. And I believe if you'll take the time to just find things that you're grateful for, um, you know, on a consistent basis, I feel like you'll start to see some things shift for you. Jim Rohn says that when you change the things, uh, when you change, then change things will begin to change for you. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begins to change. And so just as we wrap this up here, I want to ask you a couple of, a couple of questions. Like if you were to look back over your last week, what's your focus been on? Like, has it been on the good things of life and the positive things of life? Has it been on all the absolutely incredible joys 
that you've gotten to experience over the past year? Has it has your mind been consumed with the opposite? And if so, what needs to change? Here's my challenge for you. And obviously we're on a podcast and, uh, you know, I can't be over your shoulder and say, hey, did you do that thing? Did you do that thing? But I want to I want to truly challenge you that before you go to bed tonight, I want you to write down 10 things that you are grateful for in your life right now. I guarantee you that you can find way more than 10. But I want to challenge you to write down 10 things that you are grateful for. If you're having a hard time, and and maybe you are in one of those seasons where, you know, you're having a hard time finding things to be grateful for, start with the smallest of things. Like I mentioned, I got AC. Man, that is great. I am thankful for some AC, right? So start there. And what will happen as you start writing down even the small things that we take most granted, you'll start to realize some other things in your life that you are so grateful for. Hey, I hope today has added value to you. Make sure that you like this video if it has added value to you. I would love it if you share it with a friend or family member. Help me to get the message out to as many people as we can. The world is in need of some encouragement, some positivity, and I would love your help in getting that out. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date with any of the latest episodes of The Corey Lee Show. Hope you guys have an awesome day and God bless.